and read the passage from there. Um, you probably know, but um, um, the, the book of Acts was written by a very knowledgeable guy. And, and I say that because he was a doctor. His name was Luke. He actually wrote Luke's gospel as well. And, um, and for, for a man who was probably uh, very studious and intellectual and well-studied and probably well-traveled, he starts the book of Acts, well, certainly in chapter 2 anyway, with a very emotive subject. In other words, a subject that touches the very emotions and heart and soul of people. And Acts chapter 2, of course, is the place where we see the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit falls and the church is birthed in a sense. 3,000 people in this particular day were added to the church. Um, that's, uh, that's quite a number of people, isn't it? So I want to just start by reading from verse 1. It says, um, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to do something. They began to speak in, another, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Uttered amazed, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galatians or Galileans, I should say? And now it is that each of us, how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue? Let's go to verse uh, 12. Uh, um, and uh, not that we're skipping those verses for a particular reason, but just moving on to this, because it talks about all the nations and all the languages and those, in the, those verses there. But verse 12 says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? People speaking in other tongues. And s- some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's 25 past ten. And you know, um, you'd have to have started fairly early in the morning to be drunk by nine. Would you agree? I don't know how many drinks it takes to get drunk. I've never been drunk. I have no plans on being drunk. But, you know, obviously they were speaking and babbling and sharing and talking and, and uh, uh, who knows what God was doing, else he was doing. But they supposed this. It's only nine in the morning. What a common sense statement. So obviously people in Jerusalem, if they're going to get drunk, usually it was by late afternoon or nighttime. And then he says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And continues, continues to continues in in about another three or four verses. I want to bring your attention to the reality of what has been happening here. And, and, And in way of testimony as well, I want to just talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. And the incredible things that were happening then. But do you know what happened then has happened throughout the history of the world for the last two over 2,000 years? 
It's interesting today what happened then, we now see continually happening now. We see that the Holy Spirit is still being poured out. Would you agree? And he can still baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And people still today can actually be baptized with the evidence of this wonderful prayer language of speaking in tongues, which is an incredible thing that brings self-edification and builds us up when we do it. And, and, and it's such a blessing to us, but it's the Holy Spirit who brings us, brings it to us. You know, someone once said to me, you know, if you invited a person to your home and they had their one piece of luggage, you wouldn't invite them into the home and say, well, well you're welcome, but leave your luggage outside. Would you ever do that? No, of course we wouldn't. Because they need their luggage because they have clothes that they need to wear. You you know, you just wouldn't do that to a person. Um, And, you know, the reality is when the Holy Spirit's welcome into our home, into our heart, into our life, He wants to bring His luggage. It's all good luggage. It's not baggage. It's luggage. There's a difference. Baggage is, you know, stuff you don't need. Luggage is that gifts that He wants to give you. It's the Holy Spirit. He's, he comes in and He brings His 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 bag and well, His sorry luggage and and it's and it's can be the gift of tongues and all the gifts that He wants to bring into our lives. And I find it exciting that what happened to over two thousand years ago, years ago still happens today, and God still wants to do that in our lives. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Folks, what kind of Christians would we be without the Holy Spirit in our lives? With, you're either one of two things without the Holy Spirit. You're either hungry for it or you're just dead, if I can be as bold. But, you know, the re- dead in the sense of, you know, just pretty dry. But I don't want to be dry in my Christian walk. I don't want my Christian walk just to exist and just kind of comfortable. I want to continue to see what God would do in and through my life and your life and through the church of the living God. Wouldn't you agree? And it's the Holy Spirit that does that empowering, does that injection of life, injection of all the good that God wants to bring into our life. You know, I remember my first, I made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ at the age of 13. My cousin came and spent the Christmas holidays in the summer of 76, 1976. I'll never forget that, that summer because he shared with me about Jesus. I received Jesus in my life. And I always remember the first thing after I, I knelt at his feet because we didn't know how to do it. We were just a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. And we just thought, what do you do to make it commit your life to Christ? And he says, oh, well, kneel. I said, okay, I knelt. And, and, and I prayed this prayer. It's just a, it, it was a pretty naive prayer, but it was genuine. And it just said, Jesus, I just receive you into my life. I thank you for what you've done for me when you died on a cross. You know, and that you can forgive me for my sins. And I received him. Straight after that, my cousin said to me, he said, his name's David. And we've been friends and we, we, we were together since we were little children, two and th- five, three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And uh, he said to me, after I made the commitment, he says, how do you feel? And, and I looked around, I said, oh, and the first thing that came into mind was thirsty. I felt thirsty, probably because I was up the front beach of South End on Curtis Island, and we'd walked about five kilometers up, up there, and uh, it was on sand dunes, it was hot, and, and you know, but maybe the physical first was just a sign that there was yet things to come in the spiritual realm, that I, I was going to get thirsty for more of what God wanted me to have. But I don't know, but at 13, I got up one Sunday morning and I said to my mum, Mum, I'm going to go and find a church. Who, which 13-year-olds get up on a Sunday morning and walk to find a church? 
That's what I did. And I believe God led me, and I found a church in Auckland Street, and I, and I walked up the stairs, and someone shook my hand, and there I found a bunch of Christians. There was about 60 or 70 in this church, little church. They had hard pews. They sang hymns. But you know, there was something happening in that little church, and it excited me. And I remember that uh, the minister of that church invited me to go in 1980, so this is four years later, to a thing called Expo 80 in Brisbane, and, uh, there was this, and there was this gathering of Christians from all over Australia, and there was, I'd never seen so many Christians in the one place. I was only like 18 or so, and I experienced something of God's presence there that really made me, wow, there's more to God than I realized. People were getting saved. I actually led a young man to the Lord on the front steps of his door, of his house. I saw people being changed. I saw God moving. I saw singing that was alive. I saw, um, you know, preaching that was amazing and inspiring. I just was touched. I thought, what is this? And I come to understand it was the Holy Spirit generating something of a thirst and hunger within my soul for more of Him. I want to tell you, wherever you are today, there's always more you can receive. Thank you for that. There's always more. And maybe today we sit comfortable, but I know the Holy Spirit wants to stir our hearts and say there's more, there's more that we can have of Him in our lives. Um, So I went to this conference in Brisbane and I experienced something quite different and God impacting my heart and life. And there was all these wonderful musicians and singers and preachers and and, uh, it was a brilliant conference and I did the whole week. And God stirred something within my heart. And then I came back to my little hard pew church. And I realized that this church, because the minister had come with me, so he was hungry for more as well. He was was wanting more of what God would have. And I've met him just in the last 10 years. And he himself has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is a part of his testimony as well now. But, you know, I remember those days. We come back to our little hard pew church and we sing those incredible hymns. And, uh, you know, God was doing something in my life and he was doing something in other people's lives. And I came to realize eventually what I needed was the Holy Spirit in my life. And he wanted me to not only look good on the outside, he wanted me to look good on the inside. In actual fact, the outside is nowhere near as important this morning uh, as much as what's on the inside. And, you know, I put on a nice shirt and I kind of polish my shoes and the ladies put on makeup and all that's wonderful and it looks good and you should do that. Um, Not because, you know, let's not go there. But the reality is, is that, uh, you know what, the outside of the vessel is nowhere as important as the inside of the vessel. Because the inside of the vessel, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell on the outside. He wants to dwell on the inside. And when he touches the very hearts of our lives, I mean, he can inspire, generate something that's just far beyond what you could ever do for yourself. In actual fact, the Bible says he gives you the fruit of the Spirit. He gives you a love and a joy and a peace and a gentleness and a kindness and self-control. Man, we need that. And, you know, and all these other wonderful faithfulness and wonderful attributes, you know, a patience, oh, that he wants to bring into our lives, the Holy Spirit. Um, But, you know, the, the truth is, you know, have you ever... 
You ever had a really nice car? Maybe you've usually got a really nice car now. And you know those cars look so nice. But you know, I've discovered something. Especially when I was younger, I thought I had a nice car. It's an old Holden, really, but I thought it was a nice car. But I discovered something. Unless I put fuel in that sucker, it was not going anywhere. And you know, <laughs> the truth is, is that sometimes as a 19, 20-year-old, I didn't always have the money. So you know, you just may do. You walk sometimes, and, but your nice car sat at home. Isn't that a tragedy? No fuel. Got to walk, got a car, can't use it. You know, I'd hate to think that, you know, we as Christians find that in our, in our hearts and lives that we have all the outside looking good, but we've got no fuel, no Holy Ghost, because without Holy Spirit, we can't go anywhere. I tell you, he wants to take his places. We've never been in and do things that we've never done before. I, I want to have the power to live strong, to be faithful, to live in all that he has for me, to have the power of a temptation, the t- power of a struggle. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. He's empowering. I know there's wonderful attributes and wonderful areas of counseling and, and deliverance. And man, we need that. Let's engage in that and everything. But I know the Holy Spirit sometimes, what he can do in an instance, sometimes will take can take weeks and weeks and weeks sometimes with counseling. But God can do it in an instant sometimes. Amazing through the Holy Spirit. How does it work? I don't know. But he does. And you know, I've come to discover that our God is a good God. He is a good Father. He is a good, good, good Father. And he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to offer us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it just says in Luke chapter 11, it says this, uh, 11 to 13. Which of you as fathers or even mothers this morning? Uh, ask your sons or even daughters for a fish. If they ask you for that, they'll give, will they give you a snake instead? Not, there's not a single parent here who would give their children snakes unless they're, you know, maybe presents. I don't know. Uh, maybe something that they're asking for as an animal, a pet. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Now, here's the key. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. God is incredibly good. And the things he wants to give us are good. And they're not harmful. And they're not going to hurt us. And they're not stupid. And they don't take us away into some weird and crazy lifestyle. No, it actually gives us more. The Holy Spirit upon us and in us gives us more reality and more understanding and more truth than we'll ever experience without him. He's a good father. He wants to give us good gifts. And if there's one lie that I've discovered that the devil has tried to spread in people's hearts throughout history is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for people back in the Bible. And it doesn't really matter anymore. And no, God's, I want to say this morning, that's a lie of the devil. No, God wants to today, as he's done back then, he wants to do today and he will continue to do. If Jesus doesn't return in the next hundred or thousand years, he'll continue to want to put his presence in people's lives. Because it makes all the difference, all the difference in the world. God still wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's good for us. It is good for us. And, it's, uh, and God wants to give. He's a good father. And if I, um, I've never seen anything of God do so much good as the Holy Spirit does in a person's life when they receive him into their life. Never seen so. Never seen as much. The Holy Spirit encourages. The Holy Spirit builds up. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit gives us all the fruit of the Spirit that I mentioned before. And you know what? The interesting thing is it's a gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. 
You don't have to think, well, I just haven't kind of got it all right together. I haven't got my life right together. I want to tell you, he wants to give you the gift. He wants to give you the gift this, today, this week, whenever, whenever. He just, and you know, all he's looking for is people who will do the asking. Because he says, you know, he says in, in, in Luke, doesn't he? He says, come on, for those who ask, those who ask. And you know what? You don't have to earn any brownie points with God. He hasn't got a big scoreboard with your name on it. And, you know, when you reach 100 points, you qualify to receive the Holy Spirit. No, folks, you just got to be who you are and just ask. Isn't that good news? Just ask. Ask and you receive. I love that. You know, on Father's Day, I received several gifts. That was last weekend, wasn't it? And uh, I received a a bottle of uh, chocolate almonds. That was my request. And I I was... bought a chocolate almonds, you know, the almonds from Cadbury's with the chocolate on the outside and a little almond on the inside. And, you know, um, you know, as my daughter gave me that, and I received a voucher from Connors to buy a shirt and, or whatever I'm going to buy with it. I've still got to think about that. And, and, I, and my daughters were, you know, lavished some gifts on me. You know, I didn't stand at the, in, the, in the, my kitchen that day and said, no, 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 I couldn't receive it. Couldn't possibly receive it. Don't want it. It's all right. Eat the chocolate almonds yourself. I'd never say that. (laughs) (laughs) Buy something for yourself. I don't need it. No, I'd never said that. I said, thank you. I received it. I took it into my little room, and within 24 hours, there were no almonds left. (laughs) Is that the sin of gluttony? Possibly. (laughs) It amazes me sometimes how many times we can stand alone a drift from God and say, I'm, I've committed my life to Jesus. And you know, in a sense, the Holy Spirit has, has touched your life through your salvation, but I know He wants to not just touch your life, He wants to indwell in your life. And we don't want to, I, I want to receive all the gifts that He has for us. And you know, the thing that's really challenged me sometimes, it's never a one-off experience that we experience with the Holy Spirit. It, there's a, the Bible verse that says, that it, to be being filled um, I, I, I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You remember I said in 1980, I went to that conference. And, and for about two years, I went on this little personal journey of trying to discover, wow, how to receive more of God. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time. I was pretty naive, to be honest. But, in, but I, I went on this wonderful journey of trying discovery. I remember opening my Bible to this second chapter of Acts and thumping it with my finger and saying, God, I've just read that. Give it to me. And I'd sit there. And nothing happened. I think, God, what's wrong? You know, I didn't actually understand that it's just a, a, a step of obedience to activate it yourself and let the Holy Spirit come. So, so there was a little bit of misunderstanding on my part to being actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, the reality was, is that I, I had some Christian friends who were well-meaning, and I love those Christian friends, but they were very cautious about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they warned me. They said, don't be involved with those crazy, weird, Pentecostal, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues people, because they're just off the planet. Now, we're talking 1982, remember? So that's a while ago. And so they were just saying, you don't, don't get involved in that. And you know what? God led me as my hunger, you know, my mind was cautious. My heart was hungry. There was a war going on. My mind was just, oh, I've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. And yet my heart was hungry, and I'm glad my heart won. I'm glad my heart won because it changed me for good. And you know what? 
It's ridiculous if we have a car and we fill it up once. And I used to live this way. Man, how far can I get on a, a tank of fuel? Ever played that game? And you watch the, the needle on the fuel tank get lower and lower and lower. And you think, you reach into your pocket, three bucks, that's not enough. I'll just wait another day or two. You know, because you're always banking on the fact that, you know, the needle is kind of showing you empty, but there's about another 20 liters in there, you know. And uh, so, you know, I'd play this game with my old Holden and try because I didn't have much money. And, and I was still going to school at 18 and driving to school. Ooh, that was, that was brilliant. Um, and so uh, the reality was is that I, I would try and get as much as I could out of one fuel tank. And then it had come to an end and I wouldn't be able to drive it again for a while till I get some money. And, you know, how, how, how ridiculous is it to fill up our car with petrol sometimes and expect it and be never filled again? How ridiculous is it sometimes to have a one-off experience and say, well, that was it. I had that in 1934. And now I'm okay. That'll do me. No, what about being filled every day? What about having more every day? More of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. Because he wants to fill you. I've come to this understanding, and please understand this comment, but I continually leak, continually leak. I go through the world of life and, you know, just it, at the end of the day, you feel a bit down, a bit drawn out, a bit face some struggles, face some life's major struggles. And, you know, I thought, where can I replenish this supply? It's through the Holy Spirit, strength and encouragement. Sometimes just reading his word. Sometimes just me spending five or ten minutes just, just edifying myself and speaking in tongues or just praising him, but just allowing the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in my heart again. Um, so how ridiculous to think that we could fill our car up and once is enough. No, it's continually filling that car up, isn't it, to get us around. We're never going to go anywhere. We're never going to find the car or go anywhere without fuel. And it's the same in our lives. How? So how can we get this gift of the gift of the Holy Spirit and his baptism and the speaking in tongues that he offers us today? And as it says in Luke chapter 3, it just simply says, ask him, ask him. Because my first experience, um, uh, I was still in my little church, hard church, pew church, hard pew church, and, uh, and, uh, and there was a good church. There was people hungry in the church. The minister was hungry. It was great, but you know, it just it grew to about 100 people, and, and it was going well. But I went to Rockhampton for studies. I went to another church, and I didn't. Once again, I was overawed the fact that I saw so many Christians in one spot and the singing wasn't hymns and there was nothing wrong with singing hymns because hymns are incredibly inspired when they were written, weren't they? Brilliant hymns, amazing grace, how great thou art. They're just amazing, often written by spirit-filled people. And, but they, they had these other songs and the singing was lively and people were excited about God. And there were some people even raising their hands. And I thought, wow, what's happening here? And then I heard, and then there was people, there was an incredible, inspiring preaching. And uh, it, was in the, it was in the Pilbeam Theater in uh, Rockhampton where this happened. And, and I went along this night and I thought, wow, God is doing something incredible. I actually went back the next night because there were some meetings happening. And the next night there were some meetings happening. I kept on going. At the end of the week, the pastor stood up at the end and he said, those who want to commit their life to Jesus, come forward. Well, I went forward, but I knew that I committed my life to Jesus. And I stood up the front thing, what am I here for? I've committed my life to Christ. And the, and the minister, pastor come over to me, he said, you commit your life to Christ. Is that right? Yes, I have. He says, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, that sounds good. 
They took me to one side. There's about seven of us, and man, God hit me with an incredible Holy Ghost sledgehammer. And I came out of that place hugging everybody I could find. (laughs) The very people my Christian friends in Gladstone had warned me about, I was now one of them. And you know what? It wasn't weird, and I wasn't crazy. I was more real about life than I'd ever been before. I was more switched into what I needed to do. I had more purpose than I ever had in my whole life. Because that's what the Holy Spirit brings, is purpose, direction, and guidance. So I came back to my little church of hard pews. And, uh, and I tried to change it. And then the minister... The, the, the minister who I loved had to move on and another minister came and he was a lovely guy too. But when I eventually went and saw him and said to the minister, I said very honestly and sincerely, because I thought it's always important if, if you've got to move on to another church, you always go and talk to the minister. And so I went and talked to him and I said, I've just really come into this experience. He goes, you know, he'd, he'd probably had enough of me of trying to change the church for a year. And when we sat and had a discussion, he says, that's okay. You can go. (laughs) Now, I still love those people and I catch up with them and God is doing wonderful things. So please understand. So I ended up here in this church as a young man, not because I was rebellious and then some people thought I left that church to come over here to find girls and it wasn't true. And... um, I did find a girl, but it wasn't a motivation for me to come to this church. It was the Holy Spirit. And God was doing something wonderful. You know, there was a young lady came into this church many, many years ago. She was 19 years of age, and she committed her life right there. Right there. She stood right there, and she committed her life to... No, actually, fact, you know, what happened? Let me tell you the whole story. Is that okay? Just quickly, you got time? What's the time? Yeah, we've got time. She didn't commit a life to right there. What happened was uh, she was in the service like you guys, and we had a special meetings on for the weekend, and she'd never been in church before, and she was overawed. There was people singing, happy, excited. She, her, her experience of church was pretty limited, and so that night she went home totally convicted. She went home to her, her unit with her flatmate who had brought her to church, and at 1 o'clock in the morning she knocks on a flatmate's um, door. And a flatmate opened up her room door and said, I've got to commit my life to Jesus. And there in a room, she committed her life to Jesus that night at one o'clock in the morning. The next night, she comes back to this church and she stands right here. And she was like me. She came out to the altar and she didn't know what for because she committed her life to Jesus. And she came out and the person said, do you want to commit your life to Christ? She says, no, I did that last night. Well, this morning at one o'clock in the morning. And the lady said, well, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? She says, sounds good. And God hit her with a spiritual sledgehammer right here. And two years later, I married her right here. So it's good. It's not too much difference between here and there, but, you know, two years difference between taking her from there to the altar. I got her there. And, you know, um, God did an incredible. She was saved and baptized within 24 hours in the Holy Spirit. God does doing something. Because you know why? Because she asked. She just asked. I want to just say there's more of God than we could ever. You know, we'll never have all of God, but there's some verses I wanted to just to prompt you with. It just says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward 
man, or that's gener- generic, it means man, woman, or, or man, is perishing, yet the inward person is being renewed day by day. How do we renew the inner person day by day? It's going to take more than just a, a set of a volume of good leadership books, which I read and I think are great. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than just a lot of counseling sessions. I think that's brilliant. Let's continue to do that. But I want to tell you that to be renewed, because we have this tension between our outer man, which is dying, isn't it? Getting older and wrinklier, and everything else is happening to this outer body. But we find that even though our outer body is wasting away, our inner man can be going renewed day by day, getting better and better. Isn't that exciting? By the time we get to 90 and 100, we can be the most exciting Christians on the face of the planet, because something is, we've had so much time to renew in here. The outward person now sometimes brings limitations. Our praise mightn't be so exciting anymore, but, you know, we can maybe get our hand half up because the arthritis might have attacked a little bit. But reality is that there's something inside us that is exciting because we can be renewed day by day. Who does that? I'll tell you, God's Holy Spirit. Day by day. There's another verse I love. It just is a verse you know. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kind of steal and to kill and destroy us. I have come that you may have, come on, life. And that you may have it more abundantly. How much is abundant? Well, you get to the point where you think it's enough and you just get more. And then you get to that point and God's got even more. And more and more and more. Isn't it interesting? Both Paul to the Corinthians and John says here, there is never a time when we'll have all of God. Our inner person can receive more and more of God so that we have it more abundantly and so that we have more life, more life. And the Holy Spirit always wants to give us more and more of himself so that we can live well and be incredible and do something for him. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit, and as I draw to a, a, a close for a moment, you know, the Holy Spirit um, uh, always wants to, there's a purpose in it. It's never... Just, just for ourselves, there's always a purpose in it, um, and we need to stay on track with that and realize the purpose. You know, I, I, first of all, I just wanted to answer this quick question. You may say this morning, I've asked before for the Holy Spirit and nothing has happened. Well, I want to, I understand. I spent a couple of years asking and seeking, but I think God was building something hungry. Just because I didn't receive didn't mean it wasn't true. Just because I haven't seen an, an elephant in the wild doesn't mean they don't exist. They do. I've seen them in the wild because most of their experiences are in zoos. So, you know, the, the, just because it, you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not true. And, you know, I've discovered that sometimes, you know, you can ride. You can, when you first learn to ride a push bike, I, I discovered pretty early in life that you, you're going to sometimes possibly fall off once or twice before you ever get to ride it properly. That was my experience. Maybe that's your experience. I discovered that what happens when you go to get your license, you can do that written test. And sometimes you've got to do it more than once because you don't pass it the first time. And when you go and do the driving test, sometimes you don't pass it the first time. So do you give up and say, well, that's it. I'll never get my license. I'll never ride a push bike. No, you go back again. And aren't you glad that you did? Who had to do their written test more than once? Malcolm, thank you for being honest. I actually only had to do it. I did it once and passed. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends. It's okay. It's okay. He can handle that. 
But, you know, the reality is, is there's some things that we push through with. Why not just push through with what would be the lover of your, for the lover of your soul? And I want to encourage you. I understand that sometimes you've just done this. I've tried it. And... Let me finish with this. What is the Holy Spirit for? Acts 1.8 just says this about what happened with Jesus. I love this. Uh, let's look at this. It just says, when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Here's the, here's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as well as to edify personally, to build up and strengthen us personally in faith and in life. It's also to have power for life, power to overcome temptations, power to live well. Um, doesn't mean you won't go through your struggles. I'm just saying that you'll have someone there with you in that. And, and it then says, it'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. I love that. that the uh, a spiritual life often means that you'll just be a witness for him. And sometimes when we think of witnesses here, we need to, we need to um, uh, just get the right picture because we can think witnesses in standing on a street box in the main street and preaching Jesus. No, it's not necessarily. Now, if God leads you to do that, go for it. I, I, I agree with it and it's fine. But the reality is, is often witnesses in our culture today is just that friend at work, that, that person you bump into, whatever it may be, and taking the opportunities just to love them. Sometimes it's a cake on a Saturday afternoon that you bake and you drop off for someone. It's all these wit being a witness. And I think it's powerful. And you know what? I think the Holy Spirit wants to anoint us. It just says about Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Did you notice that if Jesus, the Son of God, who had all of God, and yet he was all of man, needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need it to be a witness as well? If Jesus needed it, far out, he was God and he still needed the Holy Spirit because he submitted himself to God and said, I want to relate to humanity. And so he had to receive it. So I want to say that the thing about that verse before this one, it's really talking about the Holy Spirit has an incredible purpose for your life, has a purpose for your life. And, you know, I think his purpose is just for us to shine his love and light to other people. You wouldn't be here if someone hadn't done that for you. Someone has been a friend. Someone has shared love of God with you. Yesterday morning, I, I spent some time. I went for a run yesterday morning at 7 o'clock. I go with a running group every most Saturday mornings. And yesterday morning was no different. I went for a run. We get back afterwards. We're all hot and sweaty together and... And we all have a chat. It's a great social event. It's just not a run. And I love the social part of it. And, and I'm talking to my good friend, and I'll call him Bill, because he might listen to this one day. And, uh, and it's not his name. He's got really, he's got quite a nice name. Not the Bill is not a nice name. Oh. It's only me who thinks these things, because I've got this incredible pastoral heart. I wouldn't like to offend you, but he goes... <laughs> Bill, Bill and I were talking afterwards. Now, I've had conversations with Bill several times over the last year and a half. He knows I'm a minister because he asked me one day what I do for a job. And I thought, here he goes. Got to tell him. Can't get away with it. I said, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor in a church. I work every, well, it's not work, but I'm involved in church every Sunday. He said, oh, that's interesting. So anyway, our conversation now yesterday morning was, I haven't seen him for five weeks. I said to Bill, I walked up to him. I said, Bill, where you been, buddy? We've missed you. He looked at me and, oh, he said, well, I've had that stinking blah, 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 100-day cough. 
There's something about Bill you've got to understand. He has got a good heart, but he hasn't got a good mouth. <laughs> and you know, I think Christians sometimes, that's not the opportunity for you to tune out. It's the opportunity for you to tune in. Get over the swearing, okay, the foul mouth. But he, 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 gives, the, he gives every word that you could think of, all four-letter explicitives. Nothing is sacred in his heart. Anyway, so he, but he's sharing with me sincerely, you know, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had this 100-day cough, mate. I said, oh, hey, and we talk about that for a while and communicate about that. And I'm probably the only person who asked him that, who showed a bit of interest because he'd been missing for five weeks. And, and so he, he kind of opened up. And, and then after we'd kind of conversed about that, I said to him, hey, hey, is your job secure? He says, no. So, you know, once again, his heart opens up. I just asked him a couple of questions. He said, you know, I work for myself. I contract myself out. I'm an occupation, occupation health and safety officer. And so, you know, I, I do all these talks sometimes. In the, in the, and, you know, with the downturn, there's not as much of that happening. And sometimes I give motivational sp- talks as well. So I'm trying to expand my ability to work and I do motivational talks. And I saw my way in right there and I said, you know what? Every Sunday morning I'm doing a motivational talk. He said, really? And you know what? He knew what I meant. And straight away, that connected him to his own faith and what he, the faith he had. I'm not quite sure there's a belief. He, and he said to me, you know what? I used to be a Catholic, but, you know, I, I'm not attending as much as I should. So he, I make one comment, and it connects him to the, think about his own personal life and where he stands with God. And that is he. And that conversation just continued, and, 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 and I missed it because he then said, to me and, and a couple other people, hey, I'm just going for coffee. All want to come? And I went home. So you can think that I'm really good at this, and then I miss it and blew it because I should have went for the coffee. I would have been with a whole bunch of people, but it would have just been an opportunity, wouldn't it? But no, sometimes my selfish life, oh, I've got to get home, have a shower, relax, prepare my message. Sounds like a spiritual excuse, but really it would have been so much better if I'd just been the good Samaritan and spent some time with the guy and took him to the inn and just bandaged his wounds for a while, and I didn't do that. I did at that park where we run, but I didn't do that afterwards. So, you know, I want to just challenge us. What has God has anointed us with the Holy Spirit so we can be witnesses? He nudges you all the time. Spirit, Holy Ghost nudge. You ever had a Holy Ghost nudge? You know what nudging means? It means to slightly push or shake as to call to attention or action. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. I was driving down a two-lane street in the suburb of Algester some time ago. My mum was in the passenger seat and there's two lanes coming up this way. There's a big medium strip in the middle and there's a guy on this side of the uh, broken down car. And I know it was broken down because the bonnet was up and he's under there. His rear end is sticking out. His head's deep into the engine cavity somewhere looking for the answer. And so I thought, and I had this Holy Spirit nudge, go and help him. And I had all the reasons in the world because the medium strip is like three meters wide. And how am I supposed to get there, over to there? And, and I got my mom. I've taken her home. What does she think? If she thinks I'm kind of going to, you know, what am I going to do? Go pray for the God. What does she think I'm going to do? Anyway, I finally obeyed it. And I said, Mom, I'm just going to go and help that guy. I feel like God's saying I've got to go help that guy. She says, yeah, fine. Oh, that was easy. (laughs) 
So I found a break in the meeting strip, but I'd done a U-turn and I come back up and I parked and I got out of the car and I said to the men, can I help you? And he was of, of some type of, um, of Middle Eastern um, background and culture because he had broken English, maybe Iranian or Iraq or somewhere like that. And I kind of assumed that he's probably Muslim and what better opportunity for a Christian to meet a Muslim and, and, and be a witness to him. So I kind of got excited then. And, and so I said, can I help you? And he kind of in broken English said, my battery's flat. I said, no problem. I got some jumper leads. I nosed my car up to the front of his. We started his car and my car and everything was hunky-dory and we got the battery leads off and he had a big smile and I come up to him and he wanted to shake my hand. I shook his hand and I said, sir, I just want you to know. I thought, what can I say that would leave something profound with him that would just speak into his life? I've only got a second. I've got a Holy Spirit. What do you want me to say? And this come out of my mouth. I'm a Christian. He didn't reply. I said, think of something else. I said, and Christians do these type of things. He smiled, and that was what we said, and he didn't say anything. He just smiled, and I don't know where he was at. Maybe I'll see him in heaven, but I think I planted a seed. I want to just say this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you, not just for self-edification, but to, to be, give you spiritual nudges so that you can continue to touch and be a witness in the world, Acts 1.8. Would you agree this morning? Here's what we're going to do as a church. See, we could say this morning, well, you might say to me, yep, I, I understand that I need to just push through and receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to. But, you know, I just felt very prompted that, that what we're going to do is this week I want to take an opportunity to meet with people and just give some clear guidance and teaching on the Holy Spirit. And particularly for those people that maybe have faced the situation and asked for it and it hasn't happened and you're just wondering what is wrong and there's nothing wrong with you. God just, I don't know the reasons. I haven't got the answers for all the answers. Or maybe today you've been told that the Holy Spirit is for yesterday, and you don't need it. Uh, maybe you've had wrong input, some wrong teaching in your life. I'm not quite sure. Um, maybe, you know, um, you just need to ask, and we could just share about how we could do that. In, in, in an environment where we sit down and talk and discuss it, I'd love to meet with you, with people. And you know when I'd like to do it? This Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, right here in that spot particularly, because it seems to be anointed, that one. But, um, but I love for people just to come. If you're a Christian here and just need some fresh encouragement or teaching of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come as well. In actual fact, if you're a Christian and want to invite a friend who's never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want you to come and be with them. I actually want Christians to come, but I just think we just need to let God be God and have the Holy Spirit touch lives and minister to hearts. And I just think it says in the Bible to make disciples and not decisions. And maybe you've made a decision, but you need to become a disciple of Jesus. And this would be a good step to that. So is that cool? I want to invite you. 7 p.m. Tuesday night. And uh, if it's just me and me, that's fine. But if there's anybody else, there's just one. We'll, we'll spend some time together. I'd love to pray with you and some other Christians to come and help me. And we'll just believe and pray. And see what God could do in your life and fill you. You know, amen, with his presence. Because I think this is a journey, not just a, not just a um, just, you know, one little point in life. I think 
God brings us on a wonderful journey of discovery and knowing more of him and all of him. And so I want to invite you. Could we stand together as we're closed this morning? Now, if you're here this morning and desperately are saying, I want to receive, uh, number one, Jesus into my life, or number two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I will not deny that. I'll come over here and I'll pray with you and stand with you and have a bit of a discussion with you. That's fine. But Tuesday night, it's open house, 7 p.m. here, church, because maybe there's things that have been said or done that have even hurt you about the Holy Spirit, and maybe just discussing it with someone could really help you just come to some better conclusions about that. Because my God's heart, my heart, His heart for you is to give you a good gift. Amen? It's a gift. So, Father, today we stand before you as your church. We thank you that there's many more that you want to add to your church. Um, Father, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit present right now. Holy Spirit, would you just bring your hand to bear upon hearts and lives in a good way that would just bring clear guidance and wisdom for them. Each person would know what they should do in relation to what's been spoken today. And that, Father, they would agree with you. Not with me, because I don't need people to agree. I need to agree with your word and your truth. And I ask that we as a people would do that as well. And if you're here this morning, and I feel prompted that if you're here this morning and you would want to say yes to Jesus, say, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe in your heart you've done that, but you've never done it in, in a place where a public forum. And that would be a great opportunity right now. And I just love everybody to bow their heads just for a moment and close their eyes. In the way that you could indicate to me that you want to be a Christian or want to receive Jesus Christ for maybe the very first time or maybe again because you know you've just kind of backed off from God and you want to draw near to Him again, I'd love you just to lift your hand. I'll see that hand. You can put it down. I'll just wait a moment or two. Thank you very much, madam. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Thank you, madam. I see your hand. You may put it down. It's two people this morning. Anybody else? I just wait a moment. Okay. I tell you what. How about we all pray for the sake of two precious people's lives? How about we all pray a prayer? What I'd ask those people who lifted their hand, if you would pray this prayer after me, but everyone would just repeat it after me, and we'd make it, and we'd support and join those people responding to Jesus right now. That would be good, church. Would you do that? So particularly those people who put their hand up, Make it your own. This is the best we've got. I mean, I wish God would somehow mark us or do something amazing. But what he does is just says with your mouth, you confess with the heart, you believe under salvation. So it's your heart belief and it's a mouth confession. That's what needs to happen. And this prayer is kind of like that confession. So let's go. Heavenly Father, I come to you. And I thank you that you love me. And that you sent Jesus Christ. I thank you for that, that you offer me now your love. That you forgive me for my sin as I confess it to you. And I receive you into my life. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord of my life. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead so that I can be forgiven and I can live for you now. 
Please help me and strengthen me in that. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hey, come on. Let's praise him. Thank you, Lord Jesus.